John chapter 7 tonight, uh, Gospel of John chapter 7. We were here this morning looking at verses 37 through 52. And tonight I want to return to the first three verses of that passage for a look at verses 37 through 39. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. And you can follow along in your Bible as I read. John 7, verse 37, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And verse 39 says, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given but Jesus was not yet, uh, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the setting here, I noted this this morning, the setting here in verse 37 is, it says, uh, uh, the last day of the feast, the great day. And uh, you need to understand the Feast of Booths, also called the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a seven-day feast, but there was also the day after the feast that people enjoyed celebrating. They liked to extend that celebration into the eighth day. It wasn't the official, one of the official days of the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, but it was a day they tended to continue celebrating on. And uh, we think that that's what John means here by the great day, since it was the very last day of the festival. It's also likely that the largest crowds are gathered here as well. And I noted uh, this morning the, the historian Josephus suggest it's likely that as many as two and a half million people would have gathered for this festival, incredible, for this feast during the time of Jesus. Now, look again at what Jesus declares as he stands and teaches on this, this great day of the feast, verses 37 and 38. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. A Bible commentator, J.C. Ryle, says of this passage, It has been said that there are some passages in scripture which deserve to be printed in letters of gold. Of such passages, the verses before us form one. They contain one of those wide, full, free invitations to mankind which make the gospel of Christ so eminently the good news of God. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, how do you, how do you fulfill that thirst? How do you find the fulfillment for that thirst, that longing in your heart? And I suggested this morning that we all thirst. And you can see it in the world around us that people are starving for something and they don't know what it is. And you didn't either until the Spirit drew you to Himself, until God worked in your heart and drew you to Himself and opened your eyes and, and, and maybe somebody came alongside and presented the gospel to you, the good news of Jesus Christ, and you heard truths about Jesus, which He proclaims here about Himself. If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me. And drink. And we understand what this means, but the, the next verse he explains whoever believes in me, 
Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Yes, what wonderful good news this is, as J.C. Ryle points out. What, uh, we could print this in letters of gold. This is a wonderful truth here. If anyone thirsts, and we all thirst, and we, at times we're kind of floundering about, we think we're not quite sure what we're thirsting for uh, from our souls. God knows what we need, and he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the answer to that ultimate need. But we flounder about, and we all have this inward longing for more. And before Christ, we didn't know what it was. Even after Christ, sometimes we still struggle with, uh, you know, I, I have this hunger for, for more, for something else. And, and, and we need to keep going back to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to keep going back to the wisdom of God's Word. That's the foundation for this truth, the Word of God which points us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one who satisfies our longings, the one who satisfies our thirst. And Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, this is spiritual thirst. Spiritual thirst. If you thirst, the answer to your thirst is to come to Jesus and drink, to come to him alone. Believe in Jesus, drink from Jesus, and you do that by believing in him, and you will live. And not only will you live, but springs of living water will flow from your life. I challenge and encourage you this morning to think about this in that, in that if you're a spirit-filled believer, one who's going to the Word of God, there will be an overflow from your life. You won't be a container for the Spirit. You'll be a conduit for the Spirit. The, the Spirit's work will flow through you, and it'll flow to the people around you. You will impact people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we were reminded by your praises tonight, as we praise and glorify God, our praises point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and our lives should do that. We should live our lives in a way that our lives, our very lives, point to Christ. I heard, we heard the testimony tonight about, uh, Carolyn, you shared the testimony about the person whose neighbors, they watched their neighbors go through dark water, right? You, you've been through turmoil and difficulties before. Most of us have, have been through some sort of a difficulty, a hardship, a turmoil. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the world is watching to see how you behave in the midst of that trial. And God intends to use your, your godly attitude, even though you grieve, though, even though you shed tears, that's okay. Even though you grieve over those trials, God expects for his spirit in you and his word at work in you to make you respond in a way that's far different than the world does. And the people around you who are unbelievers will notice that and take note of that. And there will be some, like we heard tonight, who, who, who come and say, how do you do that? How do you respond that way? Tell me your secret. And the secret is Jesus. And we need that reminder. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this is not the first time we've heard Jesus speak of this living water. I'll remind you again, back in John 4, during his encounter with the woman at the well, John 4.10, Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. There it is again. So then in uh, verse 14 of John 4, Jesus says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And back in John 7, here in verse 38, Jesus says that whoever believes in him, it's an invitation, 
to believe in Christ. Whoever believes in him, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It it will do us good, I think, to consider what wonderful news this is. To stop and think on this tonight. To think about these verses from this uh, John 7 passage and reflect on them. And then to think of why it's good to remember these things often. Remind ourselves of these things always. It'll, it'll do us good to consider what wonderful news this is for all who thirst. And that's everyone. This is good practice for us as we learn to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Now, if you're, if you're here on Wednesday nights for the last few weeks, that's not new language, preaching the gospel to yourself. On Wednesday evenings for the last few months, we've been working through a little devotional book by Milton Vincent called A Gospel Primer for Christians, Learning to See the glories of God's love, which is a reminder from Milton Vincent to believers that you still need the gospel. You still need gospel truths ringing in your ears. You need to keep reminding yourselves of the truth of the scriptures. And in that little book, with several devotionals, about 30 or 31 of them, Milton Vincent encourages believers to preach the gospel to themselves. It's not actually an original statement with with Milton Vincent. It actually, I think, um, Jerry Bridges might have said it first, or maybe somebody even before Jerry Bridges, who he echoed. But I've read that, and I've heard that same statement from Jerry Bridges. And in that little book, Milton Vincent says that, that he learned that from Jerry Bridges, who, uh, with the Lord now, great author, a Bible teacher, and and a great student of God's Word. And if you pick up anything by uh, Jerry Bridges, I encourage you to read it. You will be challenged and encouraged. But he would say this often, preach the gospel to yourself. You need to preach the word of God to yourself. The gospel is good news. That's one reason why you need to do that. And you need God's, God's word to draw you back to himself at times. That's another reason you need to preach the gospel to yourself. The gospel is good news that you need as God draws you to himself and, and saves you. Initially, you heard the good news and God was drawing you to himself if you trusted in Christ. He opened your eyes and you believed in him and you initially heard the good news, but you need to keep hearing the good news. You need that uh, ringing in your ears as you seek to live every day of your life for God's glory and seeking to make Christ known to those around you. So tonight I want to give you a few reasons, uh, three three reasons for preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Uh, um, specifically, reminding yourself of the truth that we see here in John 7, verses 37 through 38, where Jesus spoke. So here's the first one. You should remind yourself of these truths so that, so that you'll remember you have the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you forget you have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, he has put his spirit within you. And, and sometimes you live your days, and I do too, live your days like you don't have the spirit. We forget. Now, how could we forget something like that, right? How could we forget? We have here in this passage this wonderful promise from Jesus that for all who thirst, for all who come to him, for all who believe in him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ from your heart will flow rivers of living water. What Jesus is pointing to is the work of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, whom you have If you're a believer, every believer in Jesus receives the Spirit. It's what we hear Jesus declaring in John 16, verses 5 through 7. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. There are a lot of statements from the Scriptures when I read them, I think, for some reason, I think of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? You think that? Think, praise God for this incredible blessing of the Holy Spirit He gives to every believer, pours into the soul and life of every believer. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have had God the Holy Spirit poured into your heart, into your soul. And wherever you go, whatever you're going through, Whatever you're facing, actually whatever you're thinking, you know, we, we think more than we say. Uh, um, I said it kind of jokingly, but really it's more serious than um, as a pastor, I don't say everything I think. It would not be good for you if I said everything I think. <laughs> Just like you don't say everything you think. But as a pastor, sometimes you have to be even more careful because you're responsible for more people. And you have to think, if I say that, is that going to be helpful or is that going to be harmful? Is it the right time to say this or should I not say this at all or ever? Um, We have challenges that way, don't we? If you are a spirit-filled believer, the spirit moves in, takes up residence to help you think through help you have wisdom, help you face the challenges you face, face the difficulties you uh, you face, and the the Holy Spirit is with you, your helper. Jesus said, if I don't go, your helper will not come to you, but if I go, I'll send him to you. Uh, If you're a believer in Jesus, uh, you've had the Holy Spirit poured into your heart. We talked about this last Sunday evening, Spirit-filled boldness of Jesus. We, remember we talked about this, about this Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit-fueled boldness of Jesus. It wasn't carelessness on his part. The boldness to continue to teach the people in public when the Jewish religious leaders were seeking to kill him. This was not carelessness or foolishness on his part. It was boldness partly fueled by the Holy Spirit. It was also this understanding that it was not yet his time. He was on the Father's timeline. It wasn't time for him to be taken and crucified, but the boldness of Jesus was fueled by God the Father. And the Father was helping the Son through the work of the Spirit. And the same Spirit-filled boldness of Jesus is also available to every believer in Jesus. We need to remind ourselves, often we have the Holy Spirit. Go to Romans 5 with me for a moment. Romans 5, we see a vivid example of this work of the Spirit of God in believers in, in Romans 5. And this is also a wonderful passage for preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. If you want to mark a passage down, maybe in the front cover of your Bible to go back to often, this is, this is a good one. Romans chapter 5 and verses 1 through 6. This passage encapsulates the gospel. And look at it with me. Therefore, Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that is, faith through the Lord, faith uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, Justified by faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith, 
into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Now note especially verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Wonderful truth. And verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. We can have this hope, this confidence, even though we aren't spared trials in the Christian life, even though God doesn't promise to give us sunshine and rainbows every day, even though we go through difficulties and hardship, peace with God is ours, access to God is ours, rejoicing in hope is ours, God's help is ours. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The gift of the Holy Spirit's presence. The gift of the Holy Spirit's work. Comfort. Encouragement. Wisdom from His Word. When we take in the Word, the Holy Spirit brings the Word back to mind. Charles Spurgeon on this passage in John 7 points to why we ought to remember why we must remember that we have the Holy Spirit if we're in Christ, when he says this, Spurgeon says, You that are believers have the most forcible reasons to hold the Holy Spirit in the highest esteem. For what are you now without him? What were you and what would you still have been if it had not been for his gracious work upon you? He quickened you or else you had not been in the living family of God today. He gave you understanding that you might know the truth, or else you you have been so ignorant as the carnal world is at this hour. It was he that awakened your conscience, convicting you of sin. It was he that gave you abhorrence of sin and led you to repent. It was he that taught you to believe and made you to see that glorious person, capital P, Jesus Christ, who is to be believed, even Jesus, the Son of God. The Spirit has worked in you your faith and love and hope and every grace. There is not a jewel upon the neck of your soul which he did not place there. And only Spurgeon can say it like that. I'd say amen. Amen to that. And remember, you have the Holy Spirit. If you are His, if you are Christ, if you are in Christ, Christ is in you. His Spirit is in you, at work in you. That's number one. Number two, you should also remind yourself of these truths from this John 7 passage. Because you ought to remember to pray for God's wisdom and help. Remember to pray for God's wisdom and help. And you say, oh yeah, I know. I know to do that. You don't have to tell me to do that. Yes, I do. <laughs> I have to tell me to say that. I have to tell myself to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit's help. 
James 1.5 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Why? Oh, James says, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. As, as generous as we want to be with our children, when I had children at home, I wanted to be generous with them and give them nice things. And nothing made me happier than when I did something nice for a child or maybe we did something nice for all the children and they said, thanks, Dad, for doing that. that oh, what joy that brought me. Thanks, Dad, for doing that. Or thank you for that. Or thank you for this. They were grateful. They weren't always grateful, but a lot of times they were grateful when, when we did something special And as much as we love doing that for our kids, think about this. Your Heavenly Father will never be outdone in the gift-giving department. (laughs) God has given you His Holy Spirit, for one. He's given you His Son, who went to the cross to save you from your sins. And, And if you need wisdom, you need to remember to pray for God's wisdom and help. Because God gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. This is a lot like what we hear Jesus say here in John seven thirty seven. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I love that, that similarity there. God is a gracious giver. The Lord Jesus Christ says, come to me if you thirst, and you thirst. Come to me with your thirst. Come to me and drink. If you are in Christ, you have this incredible gift, this indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to help you and also to guide your praying with the Word of God. So you know, get that Word in and ask God for wisdom and then pray biblically with the Holy Spirit's help. You still need to continue to remember that you have the Holy Spirit to help you along the way in that also. So remember you have the Holy Spirit. Remember also to pray for God's wisdom and help. For one thing, I would suggest that you also need help. Uh, You need wisdom and help from God staying thirsty. Staying thirsty. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, says Jesus. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we we, we don't come to Christ with our, with our uh, thirst quen- totally quenched, it's actually a, a thirst that we ought to keep seeking to quench in Christ. If you thirst, shouldn't you thirst for what only Jesus offers? Stay thirsty for what only Jesus offers. And if you thirst for only what Jesus offers, shouldn't you also go to him in prayer, prayer and ask for wisdom and help from him? He's the one who gives it joyfully and willingly to all who ask, generously to all who ask. And since he's the only one who can give what you need, as Philippians 4, 6 says, shouldn't you go to him? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Shouldn't you go to him? God's Word encourages you to do that. So remember to pray for God's wisdom and help. You also have the promise of 1 John 5.14, which is yours. If you thirst for the things God wants you to have, those things found only in Christ, those things that His Word teaches you to hunger and thirst for, 
First John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The implication there is that he also answers and gives what he wants you to have. Wouldn't it be great to be able to ask for anything and get it? Well, guess what? Your wanter needs to be trained by the word of God. Your, what you want needs to be informed by the word of truth. And when you bring to God the request that he joyfully wants to answer, he, he answers those requests that are, that are given, that are brought in, in conjunction with the wisdom of his word, that are training you how to ask, training you what to ask for, training you what to want, training you what to thirst for. God hears. God answers the God-honoring prayers of his children. And God-honoring prayers are formed by the wisdom of God's word. Matthew 5.44 is a reminder that the word also teaches you how to pray when you're facing difficulties, such as persecution, uh, which is also why you have the Holy Spirit. You realize you have the Holy Spirit for the kind of boldness that Jesus displayed, so that if you are persecuted for your faith in Christ, you'll have boldness you didn't know you had. Because it's the Holy Spirit's boldness working in you. Listen to Matthew 5.44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you're a believer in Jesus and you're not, um, and you're not running and hiding from the world, it's likely that you're going to be persecuted at some point. And God teaches us even how to pray for those who persecute us. And so you need the help of God's word and the spirit to help you pray. Remember to pray for God's wisdom and help, not only in, in how to live, but also in how to pray and who to pray for and how to pray for them. That leads us to the next reminder. Remind yourself of these truths in John 7 so that you can remember to stay thirsty for the work of God in your heart. I've already touched on it a bit, but what do I mean about that, staying thirsty? I mean, remember to be diligent to pursue the things of the Lord. Be careful that you aren't swept away by the things of the world that are worthless and meaningless in the end. They may seem to have great meaning and worth in the day in which we live, but we need the word of God to tune our hearts with the wisdom so that we'll be able to recognize the things that are worthless for eternity and the things that are valuable for eternity. Remember to stay thirsty for the only things that truly fulfill in this life, and that is a life conformed by the truth of the Word of God. God's Word helps fulfill our needs. He's given us His Word to help meet our spiritual needs. He's given us His Spirit to take the wisdom of the Word to help us apply the Word to our lives so that we're filled with the wisdom and knowledge of God to help us in the here and now. The thirst of your soul begins when you feel the guilt of your sin and you realize that, that you need Christ. That begin, and that first day you begin to feel, feel um, the guilt. Maybe if, I think before Christ we feel guilt for sin, but we don't know what to do with it. And we try to salve it in many ways. But the first time you recognize that the only way to have that guilt dealt with is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's that first thirst of your soul. When that first thirst of your soul is met and you give your life to Christ, and you trust in him. Um, there's an example of this in, uh, in the experience of the Philippian jailer when he cried out to Paul and Silas. Remember? Remember what he said? Sirs, what must I do 
to be saved. What had happened? He had, the, Paul and Silas had been praying and singing hymns, and when the foundations of the prison were shaken and the doors were open, and he realized the jailer realized, "Uh oh, the prisoners are gone. I'm toast." <laughs> so he's ready to fall on his sword and take his own life, and Paul stops him. And his the the result, the outcome of this is this man comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" If anyone thirsts, says Jesus, and this jailer is an example of that thirst, there, th- that's where it begins. You realize you're a sinner in need of saving. You realize you're a sinner in need of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. But once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to stay thirsty. That initial thirst you realize you could only quench in Christ was just the, the, the dawning of the realization of, of where you need to go to have that thirst satisfied. It's in Christ. Even the Philippian jailer, when he first came to Christ, he realized he needed, he needed something. What must I do to be saved? But he needed to stay thirsty for the things of the Lord, and so do you. So once you put your faith in Jesus, you need to stay thirsty. You need to keep looking for Jesus Christ as your ultimate fulfillment, your ultimate joy, for help, for wisdom, for strength to live each day for God's glory. And what I'm talking about is just cultivating a, a Christ-centered appetite, a spiritual focus for your life, a thirst and a hunger for the things of God. It's hard in this world at times to, to do that. It's so easy for us to be distracted by the things around us that would take us away from focusing our lives on the things of the Lord. So we need to exercise this. We need to practice this. We need to discipline ourselves. In fact, it's probably a good thing to practice disciplining yourself in other ways that you can say no to yourself so that you can build up the spiritual muscle to say no to temptation and yes to the things of the Lord. Um, I mentioned Jerry Bridges earlier, and I always remember him saying this. I got to hear him speak at a pastor's uh, conference one time, and he talked about how he realized he needed to practice saying no to himself over some things. And he loved to have ice cream every night. And he realized that he needed to, to start saying no to himself sometimes. When he wanted that bowl of ice cream on Sunday night to say, say to himself, no, I don't need that. I'm not going to have it. I'm to practice discipline. We need to practice this discipline of pursuing the things of the Lord. Staying thirsty for the things of Christ. So cultivate a spiritual appetite a thirst and a hunger for the things of God. And only as you pursue the truth of the word, only as you pursue the things of God's word and ask for God's help, are your spiritual appetites going to be met, your spiritual thirst quenched. First Peter 1.3 reminds us that you have a living hope. First Peter 1.3, you have a living hope telling you that Jesus has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I said it this morning. Our lives in Christ begin with Christ. Our lives are sustained by fellowship with Christ. And we have his spirit and his word to help us in this privilege of prayer. And the beginning and the end of our spiritual lives ought to be our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's caused us to be born again to a living living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So if you are in Christ, you have a living hope. 
I'm often reminded of this. We talk about the day when we'll get to see Christ face to face in eternity, in heaven. And we look forward to heaven. We say, even so, come Lord Jesus. And we should. We should look forward to that day. But we have a living hope for now, for the here and now. um, Tom this morning was talking about that uh, in the men's Sunday school class this morning. was talking about that famous sermon. I can't think of the preacher's name, but his... His recitation was, he had a whole list of things going through. It's Friday, but Sundays are coming. It's Friday, but Sundays are coming. It's Friday. Jesus is in the grave, but Sunday's coming. He's going to be resurrected from the dead. And you can look at your life that way. And um, Tom said he spoke to a friend, I think it was this week, and maybe his, he was sharing with him that reminder. And his friend said, yeah, but what about Saturday? <laughs> you know, it's Friday, but Sundays are coming. And I was thinking... But it's Friday, and God's there for you for for the Friday and the Saturday because Sunday's coming for the Friday and the Saturday. In the here and now, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope for the here and now because in the end, I think we heard heard that praise tonight, we know in the end, we know the end, we know that Jesus wins, And we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead and lives today gives us living hope. So if you're in Christ, you have that living hope. It's not just a hope so, it's an I know so kind of hope. It'll only be realized in eternity, but we can actually realize a part of it. We can practice that living hope now, this side of heaven so stay hungry, stay thirsty, remember to stay thirsty spiritually, remind yourself of this wonderful truth that we hear from Jesus here in John 7. Listen to verses 37 and 38 again. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the here and now. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ, believers, and stay thirsty for the things of the Lord.